My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Obi Amechi. Obi is a Nigerian-American author, entrepreneur, fashion designer, educator, coach, who he says in his bio, which I love, his purpose, all of those things he brings to the word is soaked in beauty. And we, we really dive into that. We delve into that in this conversation. Why does beauty move us so? And what does it have to do with our soul, our calling, our orientation in life, the places where we stand up, the places where we fall down. This was just such a rich exploration of those questions. And gosh, it's hard to even know how to summarize it all because we really opened a lot and also went deep on a lot. But I think maybe a few things that are worth pointing out as you orient yourself to this conversation. First, OB has walked the walk in many different contexts, uh, working with young people, working with teachers, working with organizations who want to make their culture more beautiful by becoming more inclusive and equitable, working one-on-one with people who are trying to find their own path in the world, and working with his own creative pursuits as a writer and as, um, as an explorer and lover of beauty in, in the form of fashion and how we present ourselves to the world, which can often show up in a very socialized kind of what's the hip trend, how do I fit in, how do I look good? I certainly have parts of me that worry a lot about looking good, even, even as I enter in my, you know, into this phase of my life as a dad, hashtag cool dad. Not so much, but nevertheless, I, I care about those things in context of what other people think. But OB has really walked the walk in, in terms of how do we use fashion as a vehicle to express who we are or use the art we love or the music we love or whatever it is that stirs our soul. So he is not only a philosopher, although he is a beautiful one, he's also a practitioner. And as you probably have figured out by now, listening to the Wonder Dome, those are my favorite kind of people. So let's get settled in. <sighs> and hear what OB has for us. OB, hi. How are you? Oh, man. Really happy you're here. Really nice to see you in person. Um, <coughs> welcome. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel like. I've been anticipating this since I first um, just check in and, I, I, you know, when I met you through our first call, it was just exciting to to hear the connections we've had um, without yeah. even 
really knowing each other before. So I'm just excited to really be here and speak with you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. And I'm remembering like the reason we're here is because, uh, you know, the powerhouse Anise Fisher said, she emailed, <laughs> this is the email, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it a bit, but but I think this is pretty much what she said. She sent me an email and she said, hey, you know, I was doing my like daily prayer, doing my like daily kind of connection with, with, you know, my sense of the divine and, and like just asking how I can be of service today. And the information I got was that I need to introduce OB to Andy. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> what that's fucking cool <laughs> that's like you know super, yeah super introduction <laughs> yeah i was like i got i there's no i simply cannot argue with that <laughs> like i'm gonna trust i'm gonna trust a niece i'm gonna trust whatever that kind of you know uh divine what divine energy universal energy you know i'm a bit of an agnostic i'm a bit open to language but you know for yeah. her i trust that that's like a deeply rooted deeply sourced kind of way of connecting to life so i was like all right wow. Let's talk. <laughs> wow yeah yeah she is a powerhouse man and i'm glad she connected us um off just off the top i think she was right <laughs> it was a great connection so um i'm glad she she followed you know was obedient to what she heard yeah mm. Yeah. And so we, we've had now a couple of chances to talk and, and I'm noticing like, I'm noticing that like, I'm like, ah, there's all these different places I want to start. So maybe just let me take a moment to see what's, what feels really important to start with. Yeah. This is like this, this is diving into the deep end, but I just, you actually said this right before we started. And I was just like, Oh, yes. <laughs> you talked about like last time we spoke, there was this energy around like for you healing, you know, you're mm. an educator, you're a fashion designer, you know, mm. and there's like a sense in which you are clearly someone who cares about creating both environments and, you know, clothing, artifacts, images that, uh, that evoke something in people. Yeah. So that's just like clear, but you know, it would, wouldn't necessarily be obvious from someone looking from afar that, 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 that inside of that is a deep commitment to healing, to like mm. helping people heal. Wow. <laughs> and I love that. And what you said right before you started is that actually part of healing or maybe a central part of healing is, is giving ourselves the opportunity to really experience beauty, not to yes. just see beautiful things from afar and kind of like, oh, there's a beautiful person, there's a beautiful sunset, but to actually like experience beauty. It's like a feeling. Yes. And I was like, that's truth. <laughs> so maybe we could just start there. Like, what do you... Say more about what it what it means to you to to feel beauty in you or to experience beauty and and then how that's healing. What's healing about that? Yeah, um, man, I I I feel like just from the way I was ra raised, the way I was brought up, I always and I don't think it's for me alone, but I always feel like there's a connection. So there's a connection between us and humanity, we're all connected in some sort of way. And I feel like someone always has something for somebody else, even if we mm. don't realize it in the moment. Um, so, you know, just growing and, and growing into who I am every day, I'm learning that everybody needs healing in a certain area, maybe multiple areas, but in, and we have many different areas in our life that require healing. We just don't use that language sometimes about healing. Mm -hmm. We'd rather call mm -hmm. it 
well, I just, you know, I just struggle with this, but sometimes we don't want to claim it as an area for healing. Why, why do you think that is? What's, what's, what's up with that? Healing sounds like it sounds too broken. Mm. If we're not, if, if we're not healed, it sounds too broken for people to, to, to grapple with mm. and healing to me, it's a great thing. <laughs> it's a great thing that we all should like internalize, but I think like people just find it hard to hear healing and not feel crazy. Mm. You know, it's like, mm. if I say that I'm struggling in four or five different areas, um, someone may look at me like I don't have it all together, which mm. we all don't have it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Literally never met someone who actually has it, whatever it is all together. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And whatever they don't have all together that you think they do, they're just not, we have so much within us spiritually in our minds and our, in our bodies that we just wouldn't, we couldn't possibly know mm. what someone feels their struggle is or what they're, what, what's happening with them. Mm. So I really love to take the time to really um, actively listen to people. And I've done that in education, like working with students, working with teachers, work, working with the administration. I took a lot of time just listening to, to what people were saying, whether it was like being challenged, like teachers being challenged with uh, administration or administration being challenged with teachers just doing what they want or students being challenged with teachers, teachers being challenged with students, parents mm -hmm. being challenged with how teachers are teaching their kids. I'm able to hear everything and realize that in all of these situations, there was a need for healing in one way or another. And it just wasn't seen as healing. It was seen as somebody else is doing something to me versus what is happening here and how can I show up differently um, so that this doesn't become this uh, perpetuating situation that happens mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. rather than take this opportunity to blame someone, I'll just listen. I'd listen and hear what is what is that pain point? What is that area that they're struggling with? Um, and part of that is because I'm a believer that I'm a believer that respect is something that everyone deserves. Mm -hmm. So if everyone deserves respect, then that means that, and when I, you know, I, I used to do this with my students and I'd ask them, you know, what is, what does respect mean? And if one of the definitions, one of the, well, part of the de definition of respect means that you find something you admire about a person. Mm. So if you see any person, I think the first go-to is what can I admire about this person? What have they done or accomplished that I haven't done? And that is mm. enough to respect that person on a level that we, we couldn't even imagine. Mm. So it only takes one thing we admire. Like I can, I can look at you, Andy, and say, you know what, this podcast um, it's raw. It's, it's, um, it's raw, but it's also super authentic. Mm. I have never done a podcast before. Mm. Mm. I can buy that about you. And that's enough for me to respect you. And no matter what you say, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to the highest esteem of this, this mm. thing, this podcast mm. you've done that I admire. I'm going to see you from that lens every time. And if you don't stand up to that, that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> You know what mm. I mean? But I'm going to mm. still continue to show you how I see you. And if you decide to, to recognize that eventually, that's the goal, of course, then I just help someone heal a little bit from what they were struggling with. Mm. So mm. 
you know, it, 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 to me, it takes us really trying to heal ourselves from what we think about a person to, to seeing what we admire about them and moving according to that. Mm. Yeah. One, that's beautiful. And one thing I'm in touch with as you share that is there's a way in which the parts of us that are hurting or the parts of us that are afraid or the parts of us that want to look good or be right, or, you know, mm. be to be admired in a way, actually, like, there's something paradoxical about like, if you can actually just give someone admiration uh, freely mm. without attachment, yes. without needing anything back, that's very different than like, I need you to admire me, right? Like there's a, right. there's a, so the parts of us that have these needs are superhuman, like supernatural, I mean, although maybe in some ways they're superhuman, um, right. is, is, uh, that's, that's sort of where, what we might call healing. And that doesn't mean we're broken. Mm-hmm. But rather, it means we haven't yet like taken in that truth fully. That we have a need for connection, or a need right. for love, or a need for, right. and and that actually shows up. I'm just in touch with like you talked about, like teachers and students and parents and ministers. Like, what a what a freaking like melting pot of uh, needs and wants and hopes and dreams. And those those parts that have not yet been healed, to use your language, show up in the relationship. They show up in the way that like a teacher gets extra upset at a student who's supposedly like a misbehaving student or mm-hmm. a student gets extra upset when a teacher doesn't seem to understand who they really are or like whatever, whatever yes. that is. And, and so we see that like anger and the disappointment and the frustration. Uh, but all of those I'm hearing you say are actually just surface signs of like a, a deeper opportunity for these two people to help heal themselves more so that they can sh- see each other more clearly and not just see, see like kind of what's not working and, and feel the right. pain. Is that right. resonating with oh, you? That's, that's absolutely right. And it's kind of like, I guess an example would be almost like, um, like if you got a tattoo, um, if you got a tattoo, that's a, it's painful at first. Hmm. Um, Every time you get a tattoo, they don't, they don't say scratch it. They say, put on this ointment, (laughs) you know, and you, something has to be applied in order for that healing process to take place. Mm -hmm. Um, And naturally, yeah, I think over time we can heal. It can take longer if we don't apply what is necessary. But at some point, I think we are, we are bodied. We are bodies that are built to heal. Mm, mm, we constantly mm. are picking at <laughs> the yeah, I love that metaphor. Like I'm scratching at what's wrong about you because you're not who I need you to be. Like itch, right. itch, itch, scratch, scratch, scratch. And it's just like actually right. mm. it becomes counter to what we need to do in order to um to repair ourselves. I don't want to say fix ourselves, but to repair ourselves in order to be the fullness of you know who we can be. So I always feel that we have this fullness of who we can be, and it's it's constantly evolving. And I think that's the beauty of being human is that we can, there's no limit to what we can do. But if we're constantly, let's say for an example, let's say we're constantly upset because, you know, the kids, since we're using the the school example, the students Mm -hmm. aren't acting well. So I leave work every day. I go to the bar, I drink and I vent about that. That's like scratching at, you're not doing Mm -hmm. anything to Mm -hmm. help you heal from that. So when, there are situations when I'll do uh, presentations for teachers and they'll say, well, you know, nothing's changing. The the kids are acting the same. And I initially go into, well, what can you do? What are you doing for self-care? And their mindset is, I've done everything, which is literally impossible. 
<laughs> yeah, the, yeah. There's actually like infinite. There's like infinity and right, <laughs> right. So it's so mo- so many choices that we can make. Exactly. So then it becomes clear to me what is the block? What is the block? What is the point? What is the place of contention where you're stuck in this place where healing doesn't even seem possible to you? You know what I mean? You you just close down the door of possibly healing because you've already said in your mind nothing has changed. Mm. You know, so, um, yeah, I guess I'm just saying that to say I think that sometimes we can scratch at the things and and, and affect it versus putting the ointment to things that can actually repair it and make us even feel better. Mm. You know? mm. Gosh, that's a, I'm really appreciating that metaphor of kind of like, how can we heal and repair versus when are we actually just making it worse right, and right. scratching at it? Um, I'm noticing my mind kind of going two directions here. So maybe I want to like say briefly, I just want to kind of underline and maybe land on that insight as clearly as we can. And then I want to, and then I want to ask about beauty even more clearly. So, sure, absolutely. so so like the if i'm i'm imagining myself if i'm that teacher who's like oh fucking students like i'll go i vent about it and and again like no shame like sometimes we need to get stuff off our chest but if but if my response is every day to end with these students are a problem and it's driving me nuts and i'm and i like need i need to fix this uh, if that's where we end the day then the students that we are going to see through those eyes the next day are going we're like we are kind of creating them already we're sort of saying this is who you are and i show up to you and if i treat you like that's who i think you are well what are you getting from me you're getting a kind of like crotchety angry distrustful sort of low expectations vibe and so how am i going to meet you i'm going to start scratching at you you know and be like you know you're not who i need you to be you know you're this like you like just dis- disrespect me. You don't think I'm anyone. All right. Like, whatever. I'm not going to give you anything. And so this, right. I can just sort of see like how if we're in that itching the issue state, always, we actually are inadvertently co-creating it with the very thing that we're trying to change. Is that Does that resonate with you? Andy, that is so good. <laughs> that is so good. And um, I just want to, I want to press in on that, that that is so good because you know, in in all of my experience, um, I've witnessed students. I've even I, I've even, I think there's a chapter I wrote about this, but it's there's I've I've witnessed students that will act the way you treat them. They'll say this kid is up turning up chairs, and it's because you've taught them to be that way. So I'll have a student, or I'll know a student in one class that will be turning up chairs in the next class, so attentive. Mm, mm, it can't mm. be it can't be the student <laughs> you know what i mean? like if you really are if you're an observer you'll have to say something isn't right here what is yeah. happening differently in your class than in uh this other class mm. it's it's the approach it's how the teacher sees the student so it, that's a very very powerful thing that we don't realize we have is what we reflect on, on on people in front of the the way we treat them or believe they are, they're gonna show us just that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like we don't see it happening in real time, but it's happening in real time. Yeah. You know. So one of the um this is this feels like an awesome line of inquiry. And and 
or maybe we'll go a little bit deeper into like one of the challenges and this maybe comes back to healing let me see what i'm trying to say here it's like what we just described implicitly is actually a big ask of of the adult in this relationship which in a way is a big ask of anyone in a relationship that's struggling whatever that is which is to say you actually need to see yourself more clearly than you see yourself right now because if you look if you really saw yourself without shame or judgment you would see a person who is um angry or unhappy mm-hmm. or scared or mm-hmm. hurting if you yes. really looked at yourself and that's the person that's walking into that classroom that's the person that's walking into that marriage that's the person that's walking into that that boardroom is a scared unhappy angry person now that's not all of who you are and you know that like you must know that so but you're gonna have to look and and the work of then like looking and choosing a different path or healing so that a different path becomes possible is is easier said than done right so in a way implicitly not only are you seeing the students a certain way through these eyes of fear or anger or or frustration but you're kind of like that's when you look in the mirror you're also sort of seeing yourself with those eyes even if you wouldn't put it in that way because those are just the eyes you're seeing the world with so i wonder if you how does that land with you and what's what's the conversation or what's the the moves that you're making with someone that's not like doing the same thing well you need to change you're the problem now you you know like it kind of what's there's a move there say more about that yeah um i talk about um there's there's three stages of um fear and it's denial um rationalization and then there becomes acceptance and this has to do with anyone that's struggling with a challenge um it has to do with their level in and this is the first value of earth vulnerability mm. So I bring it back to the teacher. How vulnerable are you being um, when it comes to letting your students in? Sometimes it's this complex where I'm the teacher and you're the student. If that becomes a complex every time, it's harder for you to see your students on the same level as you, hmm. despite the age difference, despite the uh, you know the 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 learning gap or what have you. It turns into a judgment call where I'm better and you're not. So you need to listen to me and what have you. I think, and, it, and you know, it, it, there's a palette, so it's not all one size fits all, but totally I, I bring it back to how vulnerable are you being? Because mm. it can mm. start off with denial. Denial is when you, you, you will, you will turn up and say, there's something wrong with this kid. I'm not doing anything wrong. And that I've tried denied, everything I can. I've tried everything I can. And that denial goes back into a fear. Hmm. There's a fear there that you don't want to, you know, and this is this is how, and I don't want to get uh, too dark, but this is how certain people can can um, can uh, can hate other people. Yeah. And By the way, that like we can go as dark as we need to get. So like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. even if we talk about. Um, if we talk about um, racism, if you think about racism, 
there are some people today that are in complete denial. They'll they'll continue to think that a, a specific people group is not worthy, is less than them. You know, it, uh, what what may whatever they may come up with, just to deny the fact that there's a fear there. Mm, mm. There's a fear there that they don't want to, or they haven't addressed. Not to say that they don't want to, but they're they're reluctant to because of that fear. Mm. Fear then leads to what hate leads to so many other things, but there's denial, then there comes rationalization. Then you rationalize kind of why you're making those decisions. Well, I had an experience with, you know, uh, a black guy three or four times, and, you know, that's why I don't give them an opportunity or, or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And that's rationalizing because there's still a fear, there's still a fear there, but now you're justifying the behavior. Mm. Um, denial is, there's no, this is just what it is. is yeah, there's no, like, there's no, I'm no, I have no problem. I'm not behaving. Right, I don't know yet. what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we have acceptance. When you accept it, there's still a fear when you accept it because it's like, I got to do something about this now. Mm. So you can accept. And I think that's the closest place to removing the fear. And I think that's where you're being the most vulnerable is when you accept, okay, there's things I can do differently here. Mm. So now it's fighting that fear of, hey, but if I do it, my friends are going to probably look at me crazy because this is how I've always been. It's being able to be courageous enough to say, okay, when I fight past this fear and I'm more vulnerable, what, what is the outcome? What is the benefit? And then it's being, it's being, being able to realize that the benefit outweighs it. And every benefit from being more vulnerable in these spaces results in healing, healing for yourself, healing for other people, it's creating an opportunity for people to see differently and you could possibly heal your friends, the people that, you know, there's a long train of that, you know, the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I feel when it comes to a teacher that is struggling with being, I, I want to bring it back to being vulnerable. I always, yeah. always go back to how vulnerable are you actually being with your students? Do they really know you? Yeah. Or do, or do they know this, this, you know, puppets in front of them that, <laughs> that you know yeah. uh, they don't really know what's going on but yeah who is this in a way wow man this is so like i'm getting this beautiful image but what you just said about puppet really like landed me so I'll, so i'll respond to that first like if we don't show if we don't show up as even if we have a job to do right it's not mm-hmm. to say that like yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a person. I'm just going to hang out and like, we're just chat all year long. And I, you know, like whatever we could get into a debate about what good teaching looks like, but yeah, there's a job you have to do. So we're not, I don't hear you denying that, but if I show up as a kind of um, like paper cutout of that job, you know, like, and I, and I put like my, my fear and my anger and I'm just like, so, so the students never actually see a person there. Right. They ne- they're like, there's right. this like figure up there who, when I do X, they do Y every mm-hmm. time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it is, there is almost a kind of like uh, a puppetry to it. There is a kind of like the teacher is not actually aware and awake. They're just showing up and reacting. 
you become a robot. We're a robot. Yeah. And the just, student sees that. They right. don't ever see a person. So like, that's like, whoa, okay. That was, so you using the, the metaphor of puppet really struck me, but then I'm getting this beautiful image of an alternative, which is like, I could imagine a teacher who's having a tough year. And I'm not, I'm not saying this would change everything overnight, but I can imagine a yeah. teacher going like, like, all right, everyone, middle of this middle of the semester. Like, I just have to, I got to be real with you. I got to sit down. This has been really, this has been a really hard, hard freaking sem- semester, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I don't know about you all, but it's been really hard for me. Like, there's a part of me that like really gets bummed out when we can't talk to each other. And, and I see myself shouting at you and I know that's going to make you shout at me or turn off. And I don't know how to do it differently because th- teaching's hard. Like, mm-hmm. this is hard. Right. What do you think? How are you, how have you been experiencing my classroom? You know, and that like, Ooh, like that's that's a kind of move that I think our culture would say, no, like you're supposed to be the person on the top of the hierarchy. You don't show vulnerability. But one of my colleagues recently, actually just like earlier this week, she shared this beautiful kind of insight as I do a lot of facilitation. So kind of teaching for adults. Right. Okay. And and uh, sometimes there's really clear content we're delivering, but other times it's just about holding space for a group mm-hmm. of adults to like have a tough conversation or something. And she shared like that the best facilitators, and this is probably also true, the best teachers, both kind of hold their participants in awe, like, look at this, I get to show up for this group of people. And I think this kind of connects to what you were saying earlier, like, I really can see and admire this amazing group of people. And and like, I'm going to show up for them as best as I can to serve their learning. Well, at the same time, uh, so in a way you're putting that the people above you well at the same time putting yourself above the people in the sense of like i know that i can be in this role of facilitator fully and wholeheartedly and there's no one else here in this moment who can do what i can do with this group and in that sense you're letting them be in awe of you and that like there's this kind of a possibility of mutual awe of mutual admiration of mutual kind of like sense of wonder that like isn't this amazing that this group of people could come together at this moment in history and have this conversation, right. you know, and that like kind of both end as opposed to either I'm above you or you're above me. And I sure as hell can't let you be above me. So I'm going to do everything I can to be above you. And then it's like, there That's goes. The not, yeah. we're. I love that you said that because that already, just the way you said it sounds inauthentic. It sounds like you're not operating from truly a place of humanity. You're not yeah. operating from a place of knowing that we all have flaws. Um, and if that's the ground you stand on, then of course there's going to be roadblocks that are going to be a lot more difficult to get past than a teacher that's just like, look, I don't know what to to tell you guys right now. This is a difficult day. Who has any suggestions on what we can do? Like, there's no shame in that. Mm. Sometimes mm. we don't mm. we don't have it all together, and I think mm. that should be okay. Um, I normalized, and I think this is really, really off um, from being an educator. I could be wrong. Hopefully, you know, anyone that hears this uses this, but I always gravitate toward, and I've tried it one time, and from that time I've tried it, I've always used it. I've always used students to support other students. So what I mean by that is, if I realize that 
there was uh this goes back to admiring um every person that i meet so I, i'll see a student that has a lot of influence with other students and he admires me but there's another student that doesn't really admire me doesn't know where to admire me feels like we're not connected i'll bring in that other student and be like hey i wanted you to meet this person um he's he's really good at making friends whatever whatever it may be creating mm. that connection and because mm. that student that's so popular admires me he goes ahead and like is respectful to this other student. Now mm. this other student as a reaction is now more closer to me and is respectful to me. So we now there's a bigger buy into being more uh being more kind on the community and 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 sharing that energy with other people. I didn't just write off the student. I didn't just say, mm. "Oh, you know what? You're being rude. That's it." Mm. You know, so I think being able to use the ability of I may not have all the answers for every student, yeah. but there's somebody that does. <laughs> yeah. Just because I'm not connecting with a student or they're not, they're not vibing with me doesn't mean that, that, that possibility, it's not possible for that to happen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I feel like we've sketched out this beautiful territory using education as kind of the primary vehicle where, where we actually through authenticity and vulnerability can heal ourselves and mm. through healing our relationship with others by seeing like, oh, I'm afraid and that fear is making me be do dot, dot, dot. If mm -hmm. I can actually admit my fear, I'll turns out I'll be less afraid and so will the other person. And then some new possibility emerges and I'm more, I'm more healed because I'm not as afraid anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this territory. Now, I'd love to hear you say, and and maybe it's kind of... And in whatever way you want to speak to this, actually. So, so I just don't want to try and prescribe anything here. But we started with like beauty is healing. Mm -hmm. So, so, and that I think has been working implicitly in our whole conversation. But just to just to like really speak to where does beauty show up in the context of what we've been talking about or, or alongside we've been talking about, or like how does beauty what does that mean to you when you say beauty and and how is it healing for us? Um in the in in the ways that we've been playing with or beyond the ways we've been playing with well uh just to start we are like you me uh the people on the left people on the right we are uh we are beauty by definition mm. so that's something that i've like really coined in my mind um a long time ago um, when i started my brand my fashion brand. Um, and I coined that because it's not about, I never, I never focused on the pieces that I was making. Like the, you know, I created like some pullover garments that were very colorful and unique. They're all one of a kind because my mindset was that I wanted to create something for each people that was each person that was representative of how our world looks. We are all unique and different. So I wanted to do one-offs where everybody has mm -hmm. a different type of look, what have you, and they can choose whatever is they feel resonated with them. Um, so there were different textures, leathers, um, suede, some wools, um, satin, whatever, whatever, just many different. I just was really sourcing a lot of different fabrics. And part of me doing that was for people to experience the feeling of beauty when they put it on. Mm. It was never about the piece. It was always about when you wore that, how did you, how did you feel when you wore it? Did you feel like you were the fullness of yourself being confidently who you were? 
And that was the essence of, of my whole brand was for people to see who they are. Mm-hmm. And once you see yourself in beauty, that can transfer in, in a, in a mighty way um, that I think we don't, we don't recognize as a really, really huge uh, impact. And, you know, when I think of beauty, I just think of it as a feeling that we experience, whether it's going out to the beach, right? We go to the beach and we feel a nice, cool breeze and we're looking. Some people just do this, right? You just go to the beach and you just look and you just, mm. you're just in it. Mm. And that's beauty. You know, the world wants to create beauty as only things that, um, are marketed to us. Yes. Beauty is you something know. you can buy always. Right. right. <laughs> Which often doesn't come embedded with that kind of feeling that you're talking about. It can, right. it, can it can, but it does it doesn't often doesn't because it the person selling probably doesn't actually care if you feel beautiful. They just care if you buy the thing that they're selling. Exactly. Exactly. And the way I think about it too is like I feel that we were purposed. Uh, we had purpose before we were even conceived. So I feel like we've already had a purpose. We already we've come into this world with the whole idea of a purpose. I don't feel like anyone is without purpose in this world. Mm-hmm. So I feel like every every human here has a purpose, and because we have that purpose, I believe that purpose came before our five senses. So we have five senses. So I believe that the purpose came first and the five senses only allow us to see that purpose and beauty. So our five senses are meant to complement what is for us. So if we start off by waking up and looking at, you know, whatever they're marketing to us, it's going to seem like, okay, I see a vision. I see a visual that I like. This looks great. But if it's not according to our purpose, we're going to we're going to see things backwards. We're going to we're going to look at that and try to emulate it mm-hmm. and realize like this isn't even fulfilling me. Like mm-hmm. I thought this was beauty, but I'm doing it because everybody else is doing it because we're focusing on our senses versus on the purpose before mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that makes sense because um, I know it's a little bit. Wonky, it, it, I but... mean, it, I'm really digging it. Let me see if I can kind of share what's coming up for me and, and see if that that resonates with you. But like I'm in touch with. This idea that there that beauty is experiential, that it is experienced, not just seen, mm-hmm. that it is like a all five senses experience. You feel it in your body. Right. And you use the word kind of um fulfilling. And and I like really want to lean into that word. There's a sense when we feel full, filled up, we feel more of life. We feel right. like sort right. of like we can both feel that paradoxically, like we're just one little like sort of moat of light in this vast huge universe and also that like the whole universe is right there with us like somehow right. that's like and that's a full feeling that's fulfilling right but there's a quality right. in which if that if you don't feel that in you then then by extension it must be out there somewhere and suddenly out there somewhere all of these like pretty seductive examples of like, Oh, mm-hmm. there's that, that person is beautiful. Like I am attracted mm-hmm. to that person and they're wearing that thing or doing that thing. Like I better go do that. Mm-hmm. You know, So our senses mm-hmm. can kind of mm-hmm. 
be seduced by beauty that's not actually ours to embody. Right. And, and I imagine there's no like easy rule of thumb about how to tell the difference. Like this is a, this is the work of a lifetime, but maybe one clue is if like you're chasing something and when you get it, if the feel that if the, when the high wears off, do you mm -hmm. feel fuller or emptier? Right. Then maybe that's a clue that you're not actually in pursuit of your specific beauty, but you're just in pursuit of someone else's definition of beauty. And that's kind of leading you away from that fullness. How's right. that landing with you? Right. No, I, I totally, I totally resonate with exactly what you said. It's like, it's like having, it's like having a, it's like a rhythm. So I, I feel like it's like, there's a rhythm, not only a rhythm that is singular to you or singular to me, but there's a rhythm I think of this world. And that rhythm, that rhythm is a feeling. So based on what we see outside and, and the rhythm is based on growth. So we see, uh, we see plants, mm -hmm. uh, we see, uh, flowers, we see animals, we see ourselves, we all grow. Mm. Everything is about growth. Everything is about growth. And it, and there's a rhythm to growth. There's always a rhythm to growth. And I think even in a rhythm of growth, there's beauty in that. So if we see like an image, I think it's going back to, is there a rhythm to this or am I just doing this because somebody else said I should do it? Because mm -hmm. I don't feel like you'll get that feeling of beauty when it comes to, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, it's just, you know, if I keep pursuing this type of look, then people are going to like me. There's no, that's not a real rhythm. That's more so of a, a either an insecurity or more so of a, uh, an opportunity to try to get people to like something that you may not feel organically, but mm -hmm. you're doing it. You're doing it because of the idea of, this is what the world says is beauty. This is what the world says is what I should like. So now there's this false sense of what actually is beautiful to you because you're only going off of your senses and not like that deeper purpose aspect mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one has to tell the flower to grow towards the sun. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and so the, the, one of the kind of, cool things about being human is we have a lot of influence over each other. We can make all sorts of shit up and, you know, right, do some right. cool stuff, but like, but there's something about, which is, which is maybe part of the, 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 your work and what we're, we're digging into right now. There's something about, I don't know, let me think of an example. Like, uh, you know, if you go to a museum, you can just kind of go through the museum and like see all the cool stuff. And, and it's a pretty cool experience. Like just the fact mm. that we're, that someone has taken the time to, a group of people have taken time to kind of curate an experience. Right. And that like just being right. in a museum can be pretty cool. But if you're really in the museum, you can just every so often, if you just like go to a museum and actually watch people, you can, you can actually see people having an experience with a specific piece of art. Yes. Yes. And there's a kind of like, you might go to that art and be like, yeah, that's cool. I'm not sure why they're like almost on the edge of tears or like joy, but like right. something's happening there that is deeper than just the seeing of seeing the art there's an experience that right. 
And no one has to tell that person to have that experience. In fact, no one could tell that person to have that experience. They There's a thousand pieces of beautiful art in that museum and, and boom, that one just like lands in them. They and feel it. <laughs> feel it. Yeah. And so you could kind of, by extension, bring that out to all of life, right? right. Like there's lots of beautiful places in the world, mm-hmm. but uh, but we can't ever see them all. And we're not called to see them all. There's some way in which if we have the privilege of being able to go somewhere or be somewhere, some places feel like home. Some places feel like divine or or sacred. Mm -hmm. And some places are cool, but they're just not your place. And it's sort of like people, that's true with people and with work and with, there's almost like you could really pick anything that we have in life and realize that there are certain things that will fill you, that will resonate with you, that will make you stop and go, this is mine. And because it's mine, I want to give more. I want to be more. I want to do more. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think that goes into what, what I was sharing about. We have purpose before we had these senses because Mm. Mm -hmm. purpose doesn't mean we're all doing the exact same thing. You know, it just means that we now have, we are now equipped with the ability to experience beauty based on what's within us. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. it's super, you're, just, you're having me go a little deeper and I love this because, because I didn't even think about it to that degree where we all have a specific thing, maybe more than one. Some may be gifted with more than one specific thing, but we all have at least one purpose. Uh, that purpose can be to be a great father, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't, we can't say it all has to be based on status and trying to go up the chain. It can be being a great father to your children. Mm-hmm. And there's beauty in that by the way you 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 uh experience your children and uh and and how you you teach them and you you take care of them. There's beauty and I, I guarantee that father is feeling beauty every day when their kid has a conversation with them and they're like, man. Damn, I just feel this. This is yeah. <laughs> I could yeah. change this for the world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it all mm-hmm. comes from this place of of seeing, I think seeing it in the order of that purpose allows this father to experience beauty in that way. If he operated first from, well, most fathers, they have uh, you know, a six-figure job, they provide differently for their kids. If you're thinking outwardly first, you may miss that experience of beauty with your kids because you're mm-hmm. trying to you're trying to 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 operate backwards from that place. So yeah. Yeah, man. And that like to maybe circle back to weave this into the what I'm in touch with with a kind of education as an example, but really in a way, I feel like we're sketching out a possible aspirational hope for like human civilization. Like I'll just go that big. Right. But even just take right. one school. You could build you could build a school designed to uh, make sure everyone learns the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, that's a bit of a simplification, but, but we could argue that public education is kind of like often set up that way. This kind of like factory model. Right. And the, the, the subset of kids who at the very least are competent or excellent, or maybe even thrive because for them their purpose their kind of the way they're made and meets that model and it really works for them cool but mm-hmm. for all the other kids where that doesn't work and also by the way for all the other teachers and administrators where that doesn't work 
there's right. um, a real tragedy there. And that, and that for probably a majority of the human beings inside that institution who are doing their best to make the institution work the way they've been told to are creating a place where most people don't get to get in touch with like, what's their beauty? What's their purpose? What's their, what's the thing that like, just when they like click with it, it, there's no denying it, you know? And that's a beautiful thing to watch when you see someone else in their beauty, when you see someone else in their purpose, it's just like, it's magic, kind of magic. Right. And so imagine just at the level of one school where you're, you know, and I know you've imagined this because you write about it and you've worked to foster it, but where you walk through the halls and you feel, I mean, I'm, I'm even getting a bodily sensation right now, like kind of tingly, like, like this place is different. This is a place that like, I would want to send my kid to this, this place is alive. Right. And then like, and then like, then we could just like sketch that out. What if, what if that, what if we lived in a country that actually attempted to do that for every single person who's a citizen of that country? What would that, like, oh my God, that's what I, that's where I want to live. (laughs) Sounds like we got to build a country, man. I know, right? <laughs> but, you know, maybe this is like, maybe this connects to, I know we're coming down the home stretch, but maybe we could land with like, you shared with me this beautiful experience of going to to Nigeria where, you know, where your your family is from and your and ancestors are from and, yeah. and how you kind of went with a little bit of a two-dimensional kind of story of what you were going to experience and how, what you actually experienced and, Maybe right. could you just share about that? Because that was really when you share that with me, it was beautiful, particularly the kind of some of the elements that as a, an American man, right, quite sort of surprising and, and shocking, but also ultimately jo- joyful and beautiful. Right. Yeah. Um, I naturally had reservations about traveling back home to Nigeria because it was my first time having experienced it. But being in the States, uh, you know, being a first generation Nigerian American. Um, I was a little shaken. I wasn't sure what to, what I would experience, what the media portrayed. Um, you know, it's a third world country, and it's oh, like phrase third, like oh, <laughs> right. Plants like, the seed of like worry, and this exactly. is dangerous, and this is less than, and it's that whole exactly. hierarchy thing again. Exactly the whole idea of just the language around it, right? So for me there was all these thoughts um, around it. And as soon as I landed on the ground in Nigeria, all of that, it, it just fell away from me because what I seen, what I experienced was so different than everything, <laughs> everything that I was thinking. It was so opposite of that. I seen beautiful trees, beautiful people. Um, a lot of, you know, everyone was, everyone was friendly. Uh, I mm. seen really a familial vibe. I didn't see mm. any type of fear. Mm. And, you know, going into a place where you haven't been and you feel like, wow, this is actually really great. It's something I wouldn't have never, I, I would have never imagined if I didn't uh, take that opportunity to have that experience. I could have, I could have landed on my fears, right? And said, no, nope, I'm not going. And mm. that's the thing mm. about fear, you know? And, uh, I define vulnerability of, um, and I chose to be vulnerable in that state, but I choose, you know, I, I define vulnerability as uh, the possibility of getting hurt. But if there's a possibility that you can get hurt, 
that means that there's still an equal possibility that you will find something else out of that situation. Mm. Mm. So we always lean on the on the side of there's a possibility that we can get harmed. Mm. We never focus on what is that other possibility, though? There's a possibility we can learn something. There's a possibility we can be highly enlightened. There's a possibility that we can grow in a way. And that's why I love the idea of vulnerability um, based on that, knowing that, you know, yes, there's a possibility that you can be hurt. But there's also an equal possibility of something even greater happening if we step out in that. So mm. I'm mm. glad I did that with that experience back home and even realizing the difference, the difference between uh, how comfortable people were with uh, things that socially are unacceptable. Like uh, there was a guy on a bus and, you know, <laughs> he let one rip. <laughs> so he farted and I'm the only one on the bus looking around like, hey. Did you guys hear that? Did you guys? And everyone's head for just focused like nothing happened. And to me, there was a beauty in that because they didn't focus on the minor things. Like they know that gas passes the system. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Like literally every single like creature on the planet, every single person on the planet, the big, the biggest name CEO or politician or whatever, like celebrity, like they're, they're ripping farts. (laughs) So right. like, what if we lived in a world where like, we didn't have to like manage each other so much to not be quote unquote, so gross, right? Like that's like, right. all right, yeah, fart doesn't smell great, but like, it ain't going to kill you. So like, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. And mm. even to experience that, it's like, man, I could, I, I could, I, I wouldn't be able to see that happening in the US where someone wouldn't turn their nose up at you, say, hey, that's rude, or what have you. And it's like, we've created these structures that make us anxious, make us like, <laughs> make us act in ways that create a, a unsurety of who we are. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it was really important to see that for me to say, wow, like this is normal. Like this, mm. it should be normal. It could be normal. And, you know, of course we live in a society where it's, it's not normal, but um, it was great to see that just to know yeah. that this is happening in places. People are just living and enjoying life. And I and I think I shared with you earlier, there was a sense of joy. Um, even seeing my cousins, two male cousins, holding hands. Mm. There was a joy mm. in seeing that. Mm. And there was a joy because naturally, I would think immediately, oh my gosh, they must be homosexual. And I had to say, why did I even think that? Like, <laughs> I could physically see them they're cousins. I could see them enjoying each other. Mm. And our mm. society has caused us to see enjoying each other, like holding hands and being close as, oh, no, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know? really like. Mm. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad just to think about, like, how much we have create like here in the States, we've created a culture that is incredibly prescriptive about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and who's okay and who's not okay and like it cuts us off from these really simple basic human like you know like just just to like just if you have kids like you know one of the best things you can do as a parent of a young child is just like hold them (laughs) like that's it you don't have to like there's no magic it's just you just hold them and then right yeah you just hold them and it's like actually we as adults to be held by people we trust and love is incredibly joyful and gracious. And it's like, 
Why do we have to hide that? Right. You know, like when I was in my 20s, I had a, a roommate from Brazil and, you know, I still am in touch with him. And he's such a beautiful, beautiful dude and a beautiful soul. And, you know, we were like roommates and then he was moving back to Brazil. And so we were like hanging out every day. We just were such simpatico, like in terms of our love of adventure and experience. And he's like a brother to me. And then when he was leaving, he just was like, I'm sad. And I'm going to tell you, like, I'm going to miss you. And he's hugging me and he's crying. And, I, you know, at the time, like I was, ne- I'd never interacted with another guy like that. And I would like, and I kind of, I froze. And I, it's one of my greatest regrets. I mean, I've talked to him about it. It's like, I feel really sad that in that moment, I couldn't like tell you that I felt exactly the same way wow. because I was so uncomfortable by that. And like, yeah. that sucks, you know, mm. but like, I just, there it was. I had that belief that I had inherited that somehow this was risky or dangerous or wrong. Wow. Wow. No, absolutely. And, and, and it, it, it helped me with unpacking, um, unpacking what what i see and as as far as like focusing on and these are to me would be considered like focusing on the minors like we we tend to in in our society is focusing on the minors like to me focusing on why two people are holding hands is a minor it's like why are we what like Mm. why Mm. Mm. (laughs) like you Mm. know if you know if there's joy if there's happiness there who am I to judge and say and feel any sort of way um, about that? If, you know, their, their happiness is bringing more joy around them or it could Mm. be, I think Mm. it all, it all, it all boils down to the fear of, you know, they might, they might infringe on me, you know, they might. So it's like, no, that doesn't mean that, Mm. (laughs) Mm. you know, but Mm. to create things, that that you're building houses that house your fear so that it can't happen not only for you but for anything that is like that because Mm -hmm. of whether it's Mm -hmm. power whatever you may have that creates these structures now for other people and now we think me as an american now i think that my cousins are acting kind of weird because they're holding hands right it's like yeah it's sad yeah (laughs) it's It's really like it twists us in all sorts of knots right yeah. Man, right. OB, this is um we're kind of coming to the close here sadly, but I'm really feeling a lot of like energy and joy being with you and and you know, you know, like definitely want to make sure that people know where they can find your book and all that stuff. We'll share that all that good stuff, but I, before we we close with that, I'd love to hear like just what what are you present to now or what do you want to what what do you want to close with? What are you feeling kind of in this moment that you'd want to share with anyone who might hear this? Um, I want to share, and and hopefully this isn't long winded. <laughs> I know yeah, we're all right. Whatever. <laughs> so I want to share. Let some... it let it be as windy as it needs to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I want to share an experience I had recently that led to, um, led to a greater um discovery of my uh my brand and um my coaching brand and and a framework, and I, I guess I want to lead with just saying. Uh, how important it is to show up for other people, even when you don't know there's a message or or something in it for you. You know, like um, I had a friend recently that she's she was also I think she was like a school social worker, and she's gotten into a bit of some 
situations where she's been hospitalized uh, mm. for, like she's been in uh, mental institutions, uh, mental mm. institutions, and she it happened to her a couple years, uh, maybe a year ago during during the height of the pandemic, and I felt honored that she actually called me or had me on her list. And the clinician at the time called me and asked if she's okay. And I've done a lot of work with her and I'm like, yeah, she's, she's okay. She's, you know, she's been doing a lot of great work. What have you that first time I didn't have an experience to talk to her about kind of what she was going through. And I really wanted to, um, just because I'm not really in that space, but because I know her, I wanted to know kind of what she was going through. And it happened again, happened again recently. And, um, I wasn't able to, um, to be there for that experience. But afterwards she gave me a call and she said, you know, she's like, I just got out of this institution. And I'm like, you know, I kind of want to ask you about it. And she was like, that's perfectly fine. And mm. that invitation was really, really powerful for me because it allowed me to ask what her mindset was, what was happening in the moment. And I think a lot of it boiled down to um, being unbalanced. And sometimes when we're unbalanced, we don't operate from the core of who we are. And I learned that through asking her just a series of questions where um, I started off by letting her know the truth, which is whenever I speak to you, you're always balanced. You're always kind. You're always respectful. And um, you shared that in, in your situation, why they took you for being manic was because you were yelling at your family, mm. you were acting erratic. And I just briefly spoke to her about what do you think that was? I was like, so when you speak to me, you're balanced. So I said, what are your pillars? What are the, what are the core things that center you and, and, and anchor you when you think about our interaction? And she gave me four things. And um, one was gracious. There were two other ones I can't remember. And then one was courage. Mm. And this experience taught me that we all have four pillars. We all have four uh, values or uh, probably even more, but we can boil it down to four um, character traits that ground us and center us. And her four, when she was operating in all four of them, that's the experience I've received from her. But when she decided to operate from only one of them or only like two or three of them, that's when um, she became unbalanced or imbalanced mm -hmm. and acted differently. And I realized that through asking her these questions. And when I thought about it, she was leaning so heavily on courage. And sometimes when we lean on one or the other, it doesn't mean that courage is a bad thing. But when we lean so heavily on one thing, it may come out differently than what we think. Mm -hmm. So her being so, um, she's an intellectual. So being so in intelligent and in, in, in working with, kids and and what have you she took this opportunity to let her family know like you guys don't know what i know like i'm i'm you know i went to school for this what have you and it came off as being angry even though for her it was an opportunity for her to advocate for herself hmm. so her not every day waking up and advocating for herself when it comes to her family turned into a moment where she's like no i need to protect myself hmm. but it came off so strong and it was only because she lent, she was leaning on that. She didn't lean on being gracious. She didn't lean on um, the other two that she had. And if she would have, 
I guarantee you she wouldn't have been in that position. So it taught me a lot. Um, and I didn't realize in a moment, me just asking her these questions led to this framework that um, I now use for other people, um, for everyone, just to, to recognize what our anchors are, because it may be a matter of us leaning too heavily on one or two mm -hmm. or three mm -hmm. and not one that keeps us centered. And um, it, it really changed my life <laughs> because I didn't see my, I, I wouldn't know. Normally I don't ask questions like that. I'll just let, you know, I'll just be there to support. And I'm glad I did in that moment because it gave me something that I can use to support other people in healing. And um, I'm just gracious for that moment. I'm very, very thankful for that moment and for her feeling comfortable enough to open up to me. So I just want to share um, with everyone um, that it's the challenges we may have may just be an imbalance. Mm. And with that imbalance, it doesn't mean that we're, we're finished. It just means in the moment we were leaning too heavily on something that we felt we needed to protect ourselves in the mm. moment. Mm. It's getting back to that place where where we're identifying what are the four core, what are the things that I need to stand on and stay centered in so that I'm not operating based on the uh, external stimuli, the people mm. around me that are pushing me in one area or the other. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Are you aware and comfortable? Are you aware of and comfortable sharing what your, what your four pillars are, at least what you, what wow. you sense them to be? Yeah. Yeah. So part of even the pillars and one beautiful thing about that is we all have different like uh, character traits and values. Um, but what I hone in on is what is that definition for you? So not the book definition, um, but what are those, what are the four pillars and what is the definition for you? So for mm -hmm. me, um, mine is responsibility, uh, peaceful, self-discipline and uh, reflective. Mm. Um, but even with those four, it's like, what does responsibility mean to you when you say it? Like for me, it's, I'm just reliable and people can treat, can, uh, can trust my words. People know that things are going to get done. I do my best to help when I can. And if it is a part of my responsibility to lead and support others, I'll go ahead and do that. So it's like, that's my definition of responsibility. Mm. So anytime mm. I read all four of those, I say, what am I lacking? You know? Um, mm. and it, you know, there's, it, it gets deeper where it's like, well, how do I operate when I'm not, uh, in each pillar, right? What do I look mm. like when I'm not peaceful? What do I look like when I'm not responsible? Mm. So mm. those are my four and, um, they, they help me stay grounded and hopefully, um, it, it can continue to be used as a tool for other people to also feel grounded and get back to that place of balance. Dude. Wow. <laughs> that feels like an awesome place for us to close. Uh, I, hope, I hope that anyone hears this and takes you, that as an invitation to just at least begin to get in touch with um, what they anchor in, what their pillars yeah, are, absolutely. you know, and, and, and to do so in a way that's, that honors that we're not always going to be balanced perfectly with all of those pillars, right. but that like, that's an aspiration and a possibility that we can all move towards. Right. Mm. It's, it's the mm. idea of, having it on your mind doesn't mean mm. we're going to be perfect but if you have it on your mind you can think in that moment mm, what am i lacking here like even after a situation like was i missing anything in a situation that caused me to act in a way that i know i don't feel balanced because we know when we don't feel balanced 
but what are we lacking in this moment? Like what is, what was, what, what pillars were lacking or what was I leaning too heavily on? So eventually we become a master in ourselves and that in those areas. So mm. awesome. Well, Obi, if people want to f- find your book Verge or want, they want to find out more about your, your, your fashion brand or your work, where should they go check this stuff out? Yeah, you can go to wakeupthesoul.com and that's wakeupthesoul.com. And as far as my book, you can get it on my website, but you can also get it on Amazon. Um, I only have the ebook on Amazon and the audiobook. Um, did you read the audiobook? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> nice. That must have been fun. So you guys will get to hear the same voice if you. <laughs> <laughs> I but think yeah, it was actually really point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, but it it it, it was demanding. Mm. I didn't realize how much work it took. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to share all that stuff in the show notes and just like thank you for this beautiful healing conversation. It really was uh meant a lot to me, and I hope that I trust that other people will hear that will feel have some kind of felt sense of what it means to show up in their lives with this kind of anchoring this balance this commitment to acceptance to vulnerability that you model and that you share this is great man thank you no i appreciate this space you've created uh, for me for everybody to listen in so fight on man i appreciate this work and i'm grateful Mm. for this opportunity Mm. Mm. thanks man thanks for tuning into the wonder dome This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serquois, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find The Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others. Consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now more than ever.